Hello, everybody. Let me start again. Ugh. So yeah, I'm gonna try and do minimal editing on this one as well. So I like up. I like the style. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Hello, everybody. It's X Files. Talk X Files. Uh, it's Babylon week. Uh. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so you need to like start with some like heavenly music in the background, like you're going to church. Be like, welcome. My name well, is. Well, I thought that would be a good build-up, but then it was like, right, you and I could be scripted. And we could play God's trumpet. <laughs> you should open with God's trumpet. That's not a God's trumpet. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to do the line I had written. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another episode of X-Files Talk X-Files. Hello and welcome along to the final episode of X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast that still has downtown stuck in its head over a month later. As always, I'm your host, David Howard, and I'm actually going to be kicking off this episode solo. Um, don't worry, we do have Avi, Tiffany and Garrett joining us in just a little while, um, but I wanted to uh, just jump in here and sort of apologize for how long it has taken to get this episode out there for you. Uh, this has been my struggle. Um, basically, Avi, Tiffany, Garrett and I have actually gotten together on two occasions since my struggle to aired to talk about the revival as a whole. And um, I didn't feel comfortable using either versions of that conversation in its entirety for this final podcast. Uh, the reason I started doing this podcast was to celebrate the show, to get excitement up for the revival. Now that the revival has passed, um, obviously it's not lived up to everybody's expectations. We've all been disappointed to some degree. And I didn't feel like either one of the conversations was a fair representation of who we are as fans and what the show truly means to all of us. So what I've done is I've taken bits of both of those conversations and I've edited them down into a pretty solid 30-minute discussion that I think fairly represents everyone's thoughts on the revival. But without this podcast being six hours long itself or without being too repetitive or bogged down in the details as to the problems that we had with the show. I wanted to basically... To, ha to give it an honest um, review of these past six episodes that we've just seen, but also uh, to end on a on a high note as much as possible, um, because this is still a show that we all love and we are all looking forward to season eleven. And I didn't want the final podcast episode to be a downer, basically. So we do have a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, we will get into the episode discussion. We have a quiz on the revival. Uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up. 
So I'm going to go through uh, this whole bit as fast as I can so that you don't have to be listening to my voice on its own for too, too long. Um, first off, I want to give a big thank you to Kathleen Doe for recently making a donation to support this podcast uh, that will help cover the costs to keep these files online for a little while longer. Uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, um, please, first of all, Go spread the word, help get the word out, give us reviews and uh, ratings on iTunes. That'll help get us noticed a bit more. Um, if you want to financially uh, give a donation, you can do that by going to X-Files, talkxfiles.com or davidtharwood.com. Either way, you're going to end up in the same place and you can just click on the virtual tip jar there. Now, one promise that I have made um, over the last couple of episodes that we put out was that I we were going to answer every single listener question that came in uh, by a certain deadline. I am going to honor that promise, um, but I'm going to answer those questions on my own right now. We did record answers to all of them uh, with the four of us present, but it took way too long and uh, we really need to keep things flowing. So I think that uh, the clips that you're going to hear from our discussion give you a good idea of, of what everyone's <laughs> answers to these questions may have been, um, but I'm going to run through them really quickly now on my own so that we can get through this episode and keep this whole thing shorter than the revival in its entirety. So first question that we have today is from Robin Walsh. What is the one thing you wish they had done differently in these six episodes? My personal answer, resolve the William storyline. Uh, there was just so much talk of William this, William that throughout these six episodes and then to not get anywhere with that. Um, I felt a little bit cheated by that. I don't think it's any secret that I'm not the biggest fan of that storyline. But since they were putting it so front and centre, um, it would be nice to have seen him had some sort of resolution with that so that we can move past it. Um, next question is from Bobby Joe. In honor of Jesuit, which free wishes would you make for season 11? Again, these are just my personal answers. Um, which one would be resolve the William storyline? Let's get past it, please. Um, two, start with the end in mind. End in mind. The reason I'm saying that is that I think my struggle too is probably a very weak episode. I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, Chris has publicly said that he was directing Babylon and he still didn't have an ending for my struggle too. I think it probably speaks more to the lack of time that they had to get these episodes together and produced uh, more than anything else. Um, but I think that, you know, if he's had so much time since the show ended, since the last movie, I thought that he would have had a more cohesive idea in mind as to what was going to happen in these six episodes. Um, I would really like it if the next season is a bit more cohesive and it feels like there's more thought and care gone into it throughout. Third wish would be Fresh Blood. It's, it was great having Chris back for three episodes. Um, it was great having Darren and Glenn and um, Jim back as well. You know, obviously I would love to have Vince Gilligan come back uh, in season 11 too and write an episode. But at the same time, it would be nice to have some fresh blood come in. I think that the show would really benefit from that. Um, there's a lot of people working in Hollywood these days who came up um, watching X-Files you know, when they grew up. It would be nice to see what they do with, do with it, same way that we have people now on Star Wars and on Jurassic World who grew up watching those movies who are now working in them. 
Um, Chris, if you're listening, it would be a personal dream come true of mine to write an episode of The X-Files. Um, but I think either way, that you need, you've got to have some fresh voices coming in and doing something a little bit different. Keep the old guard on hand. Uh, of course, get Vince Gilligan back if you can. Uh, but having one or two episodes written by some people completely new to X-Files that haven't done a whole lot else, I think would be really, really interesting. Simon Parker says, in my opinion, season 10 needed to have an overarching story. Um, yes, have Monster of the Weeks, but lay the myth arc into it, thus having the show uh, build like the old days, but keeping it current and at a pace with how short a run they had. Do you agree? Uh, a little bit. Several months ago, I expressed a very similar sentiment. After seeing my struggle one and two, I'm glad that that wasn't what happened. Um, I do think that they needed to have handled the overarching story better than they did, though. Once again, it's the whole William thing. It seemed like he was going to be the focus, um, but he didn't come up apart from one line in the mythology episodes, I think. So, um, again, there needs to be a bit more cohesiveness there. Uh, if Glenn Morgan is an executive producer on here with Chris Carter, then the two of them really should have spoke and got something figured out so that we had that kind of through line through it but uh no I, I do like the fact that we had a mix of mythology and standalones and that we had at least that one comic episode in there um i think it was a good mix of what the x-files was it was something for everybody and maybe that meant that nobody left completely satisfied by this but uh i think it was important that the show did that and it was true to itself so It'll be interesting to see how they come back in season 11 if the world has apparently ended. Um, and hopefully that's not going to be just six episodes of my struggle. Three, four, five, six, and seven, eight. Andrew Blaker. I'm interested to know whether you think the direction my struggle and my struggle 2 takes can fit with the existing mythology or whether Chris Carter's intention really is to reboot what we know of the mythology. Andrew, uh, I've tried to reconcile it um, with the existing mythology to an extent. Um, as big a fan as I am of the show, I'm sure there's a lot of details which I don't give that much thought to. Certainly as the show went on past season six, I kind of lost interest in the mythology when William came along and then the super soldiers, you know, I basically tuned out. So these two mythology episodes were kind of a reminder of that for me, of how little I do actually care about that storyline these days. I do think that My Struggle 1, you know, reinvigorated my interest in it a little bit, even if I couldn't quite figure out how all the pieces fit together. Um, but, you know, Exos has always had a lot of plot holes in it. I, I think that this fix, it fits, it works to a point. Um... I guess we'll see where, where it goes with My Struggle 2. Everyone else keeps telling me, well, you don't know what's going to happen next, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt on this point. But um, I think I don't think it's as far off as maybe you think it is. David McNeil, similar question. Uh, he wants a full and frank conversation on the retcon Chris Carter has inflicted on the mythology. So much was thrown by the wayside, or was it? Uh, as I just said, I don't think so, not really. Um, Avi, Tiff and Garrett do touch on this in our discussion, so I'll leave that uh, part of the conversation to them. Um, one point that Garrett does make, though, or did make, was that he thinks it's really more of a character problem than a plot problem, uh, particularly with CSM's God Complex, sort of directing the direction that the mythology has taken, and I absolutely agree with that. 
Benedict Arnold asks why there's so many negative critics' reviews about the whole revival around. First of all, no revival movie or TV can bring back the exact atmosphere of the past. I wonder how Twin Peaks and Gilmore Girls will do. Um, yeah, I mean, you've answered your own question there. I mean, negative critical reaction was always going to be ine- inevitable. Um, I can't say I've read every review out there, but much of what I did see was derivative of whoever published their review first. Um, you know, that's the thing with these days with the internet and social media is that critics are getting lazier and lazier. It's a race now to be the first person to get your voice out there. That's the be all and end all rather than what you say or how much thought you give to what you say. So it's, you know, it's a losing battle um, when you're looking at critics reviews of stuff like this. Um, I don't know how many of those critics actually appreciated the show for what it was originally. Um, some points were, were, I suppose, fair, but on the whole, I, I think the, the critics either didn't get the show initially, or it wasn't what they had hoped it to be, and they fell victim to the same trap um, that a lot of us fans did, that they had this idea built up in their heads of what the show would be, and it didn't satisfy, and, you know, as a critic, they are able to have their voice heard. Um... It's actually a shame, I think, that there has been so much uh, negative reaction um, around the show. And I'm talking about from fans of the show. Um, I get it from some quarters um, as to why people didn't like it. I think in retrospect, and it's glad I'm glad that we've had a few weeks now to look back and reflect on the revival before I'm recording this. Um, on reflection, I'm, I'm glad that the show tried new things and it didn't try to play it safe. And that's certainly reflected in how I would place those six episodes in order of my personal preference, uh, which I will share with you in just a little moment. Fionn Franklin asks, do you think it was a mistake for X-Files to come back? Nope. And if it returns for more episodes, would the show be better served if Chris Carter took a backseat creatively? Obviously, that was the question that was bandied around um, everywhere pretty much after my struggle to aired. So again, it's nice that we've had a bit of a cushion in time, had a bit of time to sort of calm down and reflect on this. Uh, Personally, I'm glad that the show came back. I don't think it was a mistake. If it hadn't come back, I never would have done this podcast, and it has been a blast. Um, I get that the revival wasn't the awesomeness that we all hoped for, necessarily. It didn't live up to all of our lofty expectations, but I really don't think it was as bad as everyone's saying that it was now that it's over. Um, it was different than what we expected. It was different from what X-Files were before, but it had to be. It had to be. Um, I do wish that Chris had had a more coherent version, uh, vision sorry, for what these six episodes were going to be and that he had more time to realise that vision. Um, I think that that was the biggest fault of season 10. It was all just seemed so rushed, um, which is not what you want from a TV show that's had 13 years since its last episode, not counting the movie. Um, that's my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, all of the negativity directed at Chris. I understand he said some things which have irked some fans. Um, here's the thing. Um, when the show was originally on, so much was made about Chris being a perfectionist. I don't think in the cold light of day 
he's going to look at these six episodes and be satisfied that they're as good as they could have been. I think that he realizes that or he will come to realize that. But I don't think it's as bad as the fans are saying either. I think there is a middle ground. And you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a writer myself and I have to respect Chris that he's the guy who created this. And yes, okay, he's not the owner of the show now. Fox owns the show. But I think it would be a damn shame if he was taken off of it and the reins were handed over to somebody else. Um, you know, I think he's earned the right to experiment a bit more with the show and I realise that that's not been to every fan's taste, um, probably not to most fans' tastes, but um, I for one am enjoying what he's doing with it and I think so long as you have a good mix of episodes, you have the mythology, you have the dark standalones, you have the comedic standalones, you have all other sorts of uh, standalone episodes in there and you have some which can be experiments for Chris or for other writers. I think that that's a good thing. Um, I, I think that maybe what is needed rather than Chris being removed is that they have a writer's room, which they didn't for this season. I think having a writer's room in there where you are able to pitch ideas back and forth um, between different people, I think that that could really have helped this season. So maybe, hopefully, that's what will happen in season 11. Um... Going into now to some questions from, uh, I'm going to butcher both these last names, I'm sorry, Michelle Paraglia and Alison Dingledean. Uh, they actually sent three, four questions apiece, um, which is a little bit cheeky, but I'm going to rattle through them as quickly as I can. Uh, free from Michelle, first of all, do you think Reyes was protecting William or Doggett by joining CSM? If so, how? I'll be honest, neither one of those explanations makes any sense to me. Um, I, I mean, we don't know where Doggett is, but I, I don't think that he's probably in trouble and needs rescuing from CSM right now. Um, William might be a little bit, making a little bit more sense, but I don't really see how that would work either. Um, Ivy is adamant that one of those must be the case, um, so I guess that remains to be seen, but, uh, yeah, that's just weird, wasn't it? Um, okay, next question. How soon do you think Fox, Chris Carter, will be able to work out a deal and schedule filming for season 11? Who knows? Um, I'm thinking they're going to try and get things going sooner rather than later. Apparently, um, according to Avi and Tiffany and, and everyone from XFN, um, Chris and David and Gillian do all have some potential gaps in their schedules coming up in the next couple of years. So all signs look good. Personally, um, I'd be very surprised if we don't get confirmation from confirmation of season 11 within the next 12 months. I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. Um, I'm currently thinking that, you know, 2018 early, very early 2018 is probably when we'd be likely to start seeing episodes. I, I can't imagine it would be much later than that. But who knows? I mean, I think the main thing is that Chris is given time to get things right before the cameras start rolling. They've got to do that this next time around. Um, and I think that Fox have got to realise that as well. I mean, the ratings for season 10 were great, so let's give him some respect and some time now to, to get things as they should be for season 11. Um, of course, if you want the latest news on what's happening uh, with season 11, what developments are what deals have been brokered and when it's going to be happening, 
follow X-Files news. That's what they're there for. <laughs> uh, final question from Michelle. Do you think it's at all possible to do what both Star Wars and Star Trek have done and get J.J. Abrams on board somehow? He's an admitted avid X-Files fan and said it inspired Lost. Uh, no. <laughs> I love J.J. Abrams TV shows. Um, they're actually free that I would recommend that fans of X-Files watch. Um, but I really don't want X-Files turned into another J.J. Abrams show. Um, as I said, I, I'm a supporter of Chris. Um, I would, I'm going to continue to stand by him, uh, for now at least. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want this turned over to J.J. Abrams. I mean, even if you were going to take it away from Chris and give it to somebody else to sort of hold the reins, there's so many other people out there, um give it to somebody who who's up and coming um that hasn't sort of played in that sandbox already i mean jj abrams has done fringe which was you know basically his x-files show um i would prefer it to, to be given to somebody completely different you know preferably as a spin-off or an x-files the next generation um but i think that we owe it to chris carter to let him wrap up Mulder and scully storyline and, and then go off with a different uh, creative force uh, powering it all. Okay, four questions from Alison. Um, with all the shit that went down in Mulder and Scully's apartments back in the day, how come they never got evicted? Well, I think the answer is there for you in Onami. Some people just feel secure having an FBI agent in the building, apparently. Uh, was slash is Mulder a Trustafarian? Uh, that is the theory that's previously been mooted on this very podcast. Um, either that or he's raking in the royalties from books and articles published by M.F. Luder. Was it F.M. Luder? I should have checked that before I started recording. Damn. Um, where was Mulder's fish tank in season 10? Well, Alison, uh, fish generally don't have very long lifespans, uh, so I'm guessing that they're living it up with a lone gunman in that big shark tank in the sky right now. And uh, final question from Alison... Final question from Allison, even. Can you imagine the Scully family get-togethers with Mulder and Bill Jr. both there? No wonder Charlie stays away. Uh, my response to that question is sitcom spin-off? Question mark. And final, final listener question. Uh, until season 11, yay, is from my friend Jeremy Blackman. What does my struggle even mean? Does it describe Chris Carter's experience writing these episodes? Possibly. But thank God neither episode was a sequel to the time Scully told Mulder he looked constipated. Okay, that was it for the listener questions. We are going to get to the discussion with Avi, Tiffany and Garrett in just a moment. Um, this is probably the fastest I've ever spoken on this podcast and I'm actually pretty damn impressed with myself right now getting through this far, this quickly. <gasps> thank you very much. Um, first, I do just want to let you all know where I stand personally on each of these six episodes from the revival so i figured i would uh, just talk about them all briefly in my order of preference and uh, and then we'll let avi tiffany and garrett have their say so first of all uh, of the six episodes my personal favorite is a very controversial choice it's babylon um it's the only episode that i haven't been able to stop thinking about since i saw it um first time i watched it i was kind of like everybody else what the fuck was that uh, but then, of course, doing this podcast, I had to go back and rewatch it a few more times. So I watched it with fresh eyes uh, the next morning, and I found a lot more to love about the episode. You know, the the ideas that were running through it, 
And it's not just about one thing, it's about several things, um, as were all of Chris Carter's episodes this season. <laughs> um, people have criticised it because it doesn't any offer any solutions to the whole terrorism issue, I guess. Um, but why should it? I mean, how is that X-Files responsibility? I think just the fact that this episode gets people thinking about a variety of issues, about the whole, um, the way that different cultures are represented in the media, about the whole... Um, struggle between western civilizations values and um what terrorists uses excuses um for their violent acts um you know the the idea of communication stuff that's something that comes up and is directly um explored between Mulder and Scully's communication with each other at the end of the episode i just think that there's a lot there in this episode um I, I get why people hated it but i do urge you to please give it another shot now that you've had a few weeks distance from it give it a chance um now that you have lowered your expectations um as to what this episode might possibly have been with a title called babylon honestly this is probably the only one of the six that i would randomly stick on if i was in a mood for just any old episode of x-files um one evening um, I really like the fact that the episode did something completely different than what was expected. I'm chalking this up as a Chris Carter win for me. Um, no, strictly speaking, it wasn't an X-Files case, but there have been several episodes over the years that weren't either. Um, just a few that I thought of were Irresistible, Milagro, Pine Bluff Fairy, and Hell Money. Um, okay, there might be arguments made for those, but I think you could make a similar case that this deals with paranormal aspects as well. Um, also, I think that Mulder's trip in this episode was the funniest thing X-Files has done since Season 7. My second favourite was Home Again. Um, granted, it may have worked better as two separate episodes, but we'll never know. Either way, I do know that Glenn Morgan makes this work. Um, there's a great monster, there's some great emotional moments, some great set pieces. Um, you have that whole downtown sequence, which is just brilliant. It's right up there with Wonderful Wonderful from Home. Uh, and there's plenty of nostalgia built in there too. And I actually think on reflection, the nostalgia trip here works a lot better than it does in Weir Monster. Uh, Home Again isn't a perfect episode, I'll give you that. Um, but it's an exceptionally strong one in comparison with the rest, I think. Uh, my only wish is that it had been broadcast second as it was in the production order. I did go back and I watched the six episodes in production order and I've got to say it works a lot better that way around. Uh, Home Again especially comes out as a winner, so I urge you to do that as well if you get the chance. Uh, if anything, if nothing else, it'll force you to watch Babylon one more time. Um, third favourite was Weir Monster. Yes, I loved it the first couple of times I watched it, um, but it didn't stand up on the rewatches as much as other Darren Morgan episodes have. It's still a very good episode, though. Um, it's not my least favourite Darren Morgan. I do still like this one. Um, this is probably the only episode which turned out to be more or less exactly what I expected. So um, I guess that's a good thing. Fourth favourite for me is My Struggle 1. Um, granted, it was always going to be a clunky episode, getting the audience caught up with Mulder and Scully, reminding everybody what the X-Files was, as Chris Carter is wont to do. And also setting up the new characters and the new mythology storyline. Um, but the episode just about manage it, manages it. Yes, it would have been nicer if we'd had an extra 20 minutes or something. But really, I think 
The problems are there's a lot of Deadwood in here which could have been shared in order to let the main story breathe a little better. I don't think you needed to have um, all of the Roswell 1947 stuff. I don't think you needed that guy um, that Mother met in the park because he didn't serve any purpose whatsoever. Um, and he never came back in the revival either. Um, and of course the episode had at least one montage too many. Uh, but on the whole it did a good job of getting the show back on track. It got the fans ready for more and we were all excited to see where things were going to go with this and based on that that's why it's my fourth okay bottom two then um yeah some controversial stuff coming up here my fifth favorite is my struggle too um undeniably a subpar episode um, especially compared to my struggle one the world almost comes to an end here yet at the same time nothing really happens it's all about the science, yet bizarrely endorses the anti-vax agenda. It's an incredibly messy episode. And, uh, you know, you can just tell that Chris Carter had, just didn't have time or had just not given it thought as to what the story would be and how it would play out here. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty bad episode. It really is. Um, I do feel cheated. Um, as I mentioned, after all the William teasing throughout the previous five episodes, that we don't get some hint of a resolution here, at least see his face or something. Um, and the cliffhanger, to me, feels completely inorganic and unearned. But at least, at least it's still better than nothing important happened today. Uh, which leaves Founder's Mutation then as my least favourite episode of the season, which I know is in stark contrast uh, to many critics' opinions, and I know definitely Garrett and Tiffany, this is their favourite episode. The reason why I dislike it so much is because it was my worst fears for the revival realised. Mulder and Scully older, playing cartoonish versions of their iconic characters in an uber-modern setting and filmic style, but at the same time acting like they're still in the 90s, it just... it. For some reason, there's something about this episode where it was the past meets the present, and it just didn't gel for me. It just did not work at all. It was like, um, best example I can, I can give you of how this felt was like when I was watching Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, and Harrison Ford in that was not Indiana Jones. In The Force Awakens, he was Han Solo, but he was not Indiana Jones in the crystal skull so that's kind of the best analogy that i can give why this episode didn't work for me i'm not just talking about the acting even though i do think that uh, this episode hands down has the worst acting i've ever seen from julian anderson um but just the whole vibe of the episode the whole tone the way it was put together it, it didn't work for me um i think maybe i'd have enjoyed it a little bit more if we had a, if the the kids that had the special powers and the doctor if that all tied into the mythology a little bit more. I know there were subtle hints dropped of that, um, but it wasn't enough. It was no Red Museum. Um, I, I just think that... I, I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. I did not like that episode. Um, yeah, and I hated Julian Anderson doing that, that mother-son dream sequence. I know it was meant to tug at the heartstrings, uh, but I thought it was absolutely horrendous. If you... Totally disagree. Please don't turn off just yet because you're about to hear Avi, Tiffany and Garrett uh, say the exact opposite to me. Um, let's hear it from them. Here are their thoughts. Last week I sat down and I rewatched the entire sh the entire 
six episodes again, I watch them in production order, which I actually think does work a lot better than the broadcast order that we had, especially with Home Again as the second episode, with the death of Scully's mother, and that's what really plants the, oh yeah, I have a son idea in her head, which kind of, you know, you can see the other pieces kind of falling like dominoes then after that. I think the whole way that they deal with the Williams storyline works a lot better when you have Home Again there. Founders Mutation, which I know Garrett loves so much. Um, <laughs> not one of my favorite episodes. Um, but I think it even works a little bit better where it is as the fifth episode because it does kind of culminate the whole Williams storyline a bit better. It takes it to that next level that kind of sets up what my struggle to might possibly have been about until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this is something that we've all wanted for a long time. We've wanted the X-Files to come back, and now it's finally here. And even though the season hasn't lived up to the expectations that we all had, I think that there's still a lot of good stuff in there, and I wonder how much of it actually, you know, it was ever going to live up to people's expectations. Because when you revive a show like this, you're dealing with a cast that is older. You're dealing with writers that you know have they don't really have anything to prove anymore they've they've made a big success and now they want to go back and explore some different ideas that they are interested in and i think that we've seen that quite a bit with chris carter where he's taken the mythology in those two episodes with babylon in particular it's i know there's a lot of people out there absolutely hate that episode for better or worse it's one of my favorite ones from the revival i think me and garrett were talking earlier and he said that it's if you take the episode as not an x-file and just a completely different show or an alternate universe then it works and i think that's completely right and that's kind of how i viewed the episode in the first place i think it's just a really good thought experiment from chris carter um, but i can absolutely understand why some people absolutely hate it <laughs> we monster and home again those are both kind of nostalgic sort of episodes for the fans founders mutation was i said not one of my favorite episodes garrett and tiffany i know absolutely love it i know other people absolutely loved it and it, it really does sort of harken back to the early days of the x-files where it's just a dark scary show and, you know, it's just another episode just pulled from that era. And then, of course, you have the two struggles. Uh, <laughs> the two struggles. <laughs> That's which, one way to say it. <laughs> which the titles of those episodes just uh, find more and more meanings every day. So, um... I actually agree with you on on Babylon and certain points. And, and I think that's what I wanted to come across whenever I reviewed the episode. It was that... You know, there there were parts of the episode that they were definitely not an X file, and in that sense, if you take them as not an X file, they're particularly funny. Um, but I mean, as much as you like to say, yeah, the the writers don't have anything to prove; they are experimenting and all that stuff, and that's fine. Um, if you have, you know, ten episodes, twelve episodes to throw an experimentation like that. But for, you know, for 
something that it's six episodes where you already have so many writers involved and that you're trying to please so many people. Throw in something like that. I mean, it's kind of like a catch-22 because, one, I can I can totally see the point where Chris Carter would want to do it because he doesn't know if he will have the chance to do it again. But at the same time, we sign on to watch X-Files. And as it is, this wasn't an X-File. So, you know, for me, it is really hard to to come to terms with this episode as a good X-Files episode. It definitely... <laughs> I, I, I can I can see where it had a good proposal as being you know edgy because it was touching um, on a topic that actually was very polemic because of certain elements that actually the the episode took on. So like there's this whole bombing that happened because someone made fun of a religion or parts of that religion and. And then we have an episode that it's kind of taking a comedic twist on a situation that's very delicate. And, you know, um, for people that are, you know, like us, that we like to tear apart certain things and investigate them and, you know, think about them for weeks and, and, and appreciate the good and the bad in it, that's fine. But, like, I think... For the general public, it wasn't well received because you only get the one pass at these things. And even so, we have, you know, things like right now it's being, you know, transmitted in in, in the UK. And the, re- the reception was even worse. So, you know, there are certain things that you can want. I mean, as much as you like to, to put a positive spin on, there's just no way to do it because I mean, you, you 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 write you write for an audience. You write for an audience, and you I mean, yeah, I would like to say that you would want the, your audience to get on board with you and and see things on another way and change minds. And and for for sure, the X Files has changed minds in so many other ways. But I think either we are way too close to home right now to be talking about this topic or, you know, it, it needed a little bit of an adjustment of how the topic was taken. Um, and, I mean, I appreciate the irony of the episode. I just don't think that it was a, a good episode of The X-Files. Six episodes jump and just force things on you that you weren't ready to accept. Yeah. and. Th- there is some disdain there, and it's it's because I think if you were to look at the relationship of Mulder and Scully for the whole time, oh, it's here like we go. Garrett's going to be shipper here for a I, second. Well, I'm not. He never does this. I, I'm not. <laughs> but I mean, the, the second movie, I absolutely despise it. But that is the end for you. That's what the image you have of them is on the boat, waving at you, going off in the distance. You're like, okay, they're in a great relationship. You know, even if you want to write that movie off, fine. At the end of the truth. They have this wonderful conversation between the two of them about their relationship and how it reflects on the whole, you know, saga and how everything works. And they had such a and then it's like, well, in episode one, they're no longer together. And it's because Mulder is uh, depressing and And still the same person he's been for 23 fucking years. Yes, it's fine to break (laughs) them up. I mean, I'm not one of the people that say they have to stay together necessarily, but to throw it on you in a matter of 45 minutes is insane. And that's not a good way to write a story. The problem is, is it's, it's not that the ideas are bad. 
It's that the way they're executed is extraordinarily poor. And it, I mean, you, there's no way this is season five. I mean, that's absolutely insane. This is at best, like one of the worst episodes of season nine. I mean, well, depending on the episode, no, 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 I, no. I would say Founders, uh, Founders Mutation, Mutation was like, fantastic. And yeah. I mean, there were definitely moments where they caught the characters really, really well. And it or it added something new to the characters, which I thought was interesting. But there was so much ham fistedness where it just it didn't fit. And that's perfectly fine that if you liked it uh, and you're entitled to like it all you want. I mean, that's a very subjective nature of, you know, watching television show and having an opinion. But there are certain objective things that really can't – they aren't open to opinion. And it's just that this was not written well. I mean that's just – I mean it's not a subjective notion. It's like you write a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's a climax. <laughs> so you have to do this to get there. And it just – it was so frustrating because – It's like Abby's literally sitting on the bed with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've grown a beard ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it's just – it's frustrating because – you don't even I don't I don't care necessarily that they progress the mythology so far and they do all this stuff like I just want the character I don't even need the nostalgia necessarily I mean I prefer they don't even have the nostalgia I want it to move in a new direction but I want it to move in a way that makes sense with the old so that it is a coherent story because that's the purpose of story writing is to have a purpose and to to you know bring people into this world and continue so you can't develop the, the the world and then destroy it piece by piece. And that's just not how you should do something. And it, it just isn't. I mean, it's just realistically, this was it was a great sense of like the ideas in the writer's heads and like what the, what the show could be if they had another nine seasons, maybe. Um, but with six episodes, it was just a piss, 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 piss poor job in trying to do that. You can't ruin the, the show. People get so caught up in the story and say, well, the story is so important and this and the and it, it is and it definitely is. But the characters are the whole aspect. You watch the show for the characters. So the characters and how they change is all supposed to make sense and it's supposed to fit within this realm of the world that it's in. And you can't rip them out of that and say, well, they're no longer together because I hate everybody. And it, <laughs> it's fine to take them apart, but you have to show it. It's fine to make Cancer Man, you know, super evil and think he's God and all that, but you have to show it. You cannot change characters like this so rapidly and expect people just to suck it. I mean, that's just, it's literally the most frustrating thing that has ever happened in a show. I mean, you spent years and years and years and years watching this and rewatching it and rewatching it, picking it, picking it, picking it. And just, and I mean, it's been a great experience. I mean, even these six episodes, I'll complain all day about them. And I mean, I love picking them apart. That's part of the fun of watching the show. But it's, you can't, <laughs> it's thoroughly frustrating that the characters are not the same. They just aren't. I mean, there's nothing more to do that. That I mean, was I can, like, like the most beautiful Garrett speech in the podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we see the story and the story is what matters really. But at the same time, there's all these things going on behind. We, I mean, we don't know why they couldn't bring certain people back or well, why they brought certain people back. Do. Well, some of us might, but <laughs> some of us don't. You know, and that, I mean, that makes it frustrating. I mean, it's when it comes back, you want it to be something new. And I mean, I think they they tried at yeah. least to some extent. And maybe with a writer's room and maybe with more time, they can like pick up the pieces and make it 
okay, a coherent thing again. But I mean, I don't think it really matters whether it was a good idea or not, to be honest. I mean, like seasons one through seven, everybody will go, wow, those are the things you need to watch. That's a whole separate, that's like X-Files one that people will always love. And eight and nine are like their own X-Files two. <laughs> are you saying they're like some sort of AU? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, seasons one through seven in the first movie are like, that's like the golden age. That's okay. the good stuff. And then eight and nine and movie two are the worst stuff. I mean, like, not the worst, That's but a I mean, matter of opinion, but okay. And this will always be separate. It's not going to be part of the original. I mean, it can't be. Not really. I mean, intrinsically, I mean, already they've already set the tone that it's completely different. And that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that per se. But I think fans, whether they like it or not, have to remove themselves from the idea that this is nostalgia and that they want to live it up. And I mean, fans don't really want what they want. And I mean, that's what I think Chris is trying to get to. And that's yeah. Pretty- yeah. You know, and this is different. And I think it's time for people to accept that this is just different. I mean, X-Files was what it was in the 90s, and that's perfectly fine. This is a not a continuation. It, it is its own thing. And I don't know if it's good or bad. In my mind, I think it's horrible. But I'm okay with the fact that they continue to make it because it may get better. I mean, yeah, see, there you go. I'm not. I just, all I want That's is for them to, to care. <laughs> and I think is lost. <laughs> if I saw Chris Carter with a bank of money and he was just writing it to to make money, then I would be concerned. But I, you know, you can tell from the episodes. Maybe that's him, and I don't know. I don't know him very well. I don't read the interviews with him or any of that stuff. Maybe he's in it for the money. I don't know. I, I don't like his writing, and I, that's perfectly okay. But the others, I mean, they seem to genuinely care. Fountain's Mentation was as close as I think you will ever get to the yeah. original as it far was. as the way the story was structured mm-hmm. and how well it was that written was and all that. season six goodness right there. I mean, mm-hmm. not just goodness. I mean, like, it was taken with care. I mean, that's the only thing that, I mean, you can maybe not even like Founder's Mentation perfectly fine. But the, from the way the story was written, who, you know, when they wrote it, it was, it was obvious. Wong. Yeah, it was Jim Wong. That um that he cared. And then that's really all that matters. I mean, I don't expect every episode to be good. I mean, the original was never really every episode was great. I mean, yeah. let the illusion of nostalgia that it was all amazing. Some it's of it was bad. It's hard when you have six episodes. Like, it's, it's, it's fine to have some bad ones in a 22, 23 episode season. Well, Having several bad no, ones no, no, in no. a six episode it's season. It's perfectly fine tough. to have bad ones in six episodes. You can have four of them be, you know, not very good. The thing is, is I don't need it. To to be the perfect story. It doesn't need to be the most amazing. It just needs to push the story forward. There needs to be a story to push. This did not have any of that. So, okay, let's talk about then, what what do you think that the show got right with the revival? What were some of the, the moments or some of the episodes that you thought were, were true to the spirit of the X-Files and that belong on a shelf alongside some of those best episodes from season four or five or seven, whatever? As much as people were kind of annoyed by the fact that we kept revisiting the William theme, I thought it was a great um, a great idea to come back to a topic that during season nine it had just briefly shoved away. Uh, so I'm a big fan of bringing William into being such a central part of what will happen, what happened during season 10 or what will happen during season 11. I think that was one of my favorite parts. Um, I liked... You know, just the fact that they came back for me was a win. Um, 
I really enjoyed Home Again and Founders Mutation. I think as drama episodes are really well put together. Uh, I enjoyed Glenn Morgan's and James Wong's work, whether it happens together or separately. And I think, just like you said, watching the episodes out of the airing order, but on the production order, and kind of like seeing the scenes where this scene could have worked better later on and so on, um, it, it helps a lot. And I, I even talking to the writers, um, they would have... A, they would have preferred it that way. They weren't really in the same page with changing the order. Um, I think that was also, even though it didn't quite work out that as a plan, it was a good thing. I think Were Monster was a great episode. I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, we got the six the six episodes and we had Babylon that was a fluke, but I don't I wouldn't have, you know, regretted and I don't regret that where monster happened i think it was a great episode i think it was well-rounded i think it was comedic i think that the i mean that's the kind of comedy that i can't accept from the exiles not the one in babylon and and the the way that it was treated on where monster it was it was somehow an extra it was going back to what the roots of the show were and that that for me was rewarding even you know the fantasy part with like you know Jillian or like you know Scully having sex with this guy and whatever that I think it went a little bit too long but you know it's still it, it was a great episode as for my struggle and the the mythology proposed or like the revamp of the mythology that was proposed I'm actually very okay with it because I mean I think I, I told you before that for me it makes it more tangible that now it doesn't rest solely on alien beings and the, what alien people will do and what, you know, all these motivations that are kind of like a mystery for everyone, but they're rooted on human needs and human desires and how humans work. And for me, that's more, that's scarier because I, I, I can just like turn, turn on the news today and see how the world is going to shit. And then imagine that times a hundred or, or the Chris Carter version of the world going to shit. And it's a lot more scarier because it, I can walk out tomorrow morning into, you know, the mall and, and get someone, you know, to transmit some kind of weird disease to me. Um, and, and so on. So like for me, that take was great. What didn't work for me about the, my struggles was the execution. So, you know, um, I, I, I always wanted those episodes to be longer because I thought we were getting too much information that I needed to digest. Um, I would have loved for the the episode, the last episode, to be you know to have a little bit more Mulder and Scully than it did. But you know, even so, it worked well for me in that sense. Uh, I like the the Einstein and Miller actually their characters feel more tangible and real in that episode that they did than they did in their introduction um I mean it's not I feel like the disappointment that everyone has with the ending one it ha I mean half is like yeah there's people that want a resolution and you can't fight those people. I mean, I mean, there's people that have been waiting for this and that do not hold hope or do not trust the, the, 
the collective clamor that there will be at season 11 because they have their reasons. I mean, we've been waiting eight years to get, you know, a new show. And, you know, I wouldn't blame them that they, they don't trust them. Um, but even for the people that do trust, there were a, quite a few uh, unresolved situations and a lot of things that were, like, thrown to the wall and that it didn't mean so much that we wanted a resolution. It was more like we needed a better structure story. Not the content of the story, but actually how it was told. I wanted mythology okay. that I guess Frank Swanitz was involved oh, in. No, for no, six. no, hold on. I would have been better with they that. They could have done it with six. It's just they had to kind of pull back a little bit and reserve themselves and simplify. Yeah. They tried way too much, way too fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, you it definitely suffered from episodes. that. And the problem is, is that you ran into episodes that where they tried to kind of do it. It's like when yeah. Scully and Mother died, they had the trash man story. And it's like, Which was cool, but... Yeah, but it was two episodes together, it was a little that were... Yeah. It was like two separate episodes that they had to crush into each other. Yeah. So you didn't really, like, get the full impact of either story you really kind well. kind of do... In- I see sure what you're well, saying. But I, mean, like, I agree, actually. Founder's Mutation but... was by far oh, the most like, my coherent, like, season, full yeah. story. It like, had a very beginning, yeah. and it had a middle, and it had an end, yeah. and it had a, a climax and everything. It was by far the best, like, from a writing standpoint, it had everything that was yeah. required. <laughs> Whereas most of the other stories, uh, episodes were very disjointed. And so I think if they had picked one or the other, it could have been way better because then they yeah. could have framed it. And this this season was not the best written per se, but it had an amazing amount of ideas crammed Into in your face, face in like yeah. a very tiny way. And so they they needed more episodes or use the full six if you're going to have this huge idea. Yeah, I, I think I've always I've my stance on this hasn't changed from the beginning up until right now. If we had had, and I even like told us to Chris Carter, and it still looked at me funny. Um, uh, if we had had, um, and this comes from the writers' room, we have had a sound writers' room where everyone had had the space of mind to have some sort of a development plan for this mythology. Which, by the way, it's not a new mythology. It's a mythology that's a little bit transformed from, you know, suspicions that Mulder had in the past. And it, and I even, I had a round table with TV addict about this because they were like, well, uh, do you agree with the mythology or not? And actually for me, it makes it a little bit more believable in the sense that believable things are in the X-Files. Because it's 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 grounded more on human matters and it's more about what humans do than what any other fantastic beings come and do to us. Right. You're talking about the human element as opposed to the alien element. Yeah. So for me for, for me that works. And in right. in, in regards of what Garrett says that it's like too much, yeah, I, I totally agree. It was crumbed in bookends that don't quite have the effect on the people that they should have had. So let's go episode by episode. So on Founders, you had the whole thing with Scully feeling like she was, you know, an incubator. And you combine that with a little bit more of 
the methodology in regards to that and a little bit of that case file and then on Worm Monster, maybe make it even, you know, an odd end on that episode that kind of sticks out as something that doesn't quite make any sense, but it will make sense in regards of the generality of the of the season. And then on Home Again, you have the William element again, but then you kind of discover something else about how William is so pivotal to this conspiracy. Yeah. And then you erase Babylon. And then you, like, <laughs> and are not, are not. Or Sorry, like, David. Or, like, have Babylon, but, I mean, and I'm, I've, I've watched it again Write a number of times, but, like, rewrite it in the sense where, like, you include part of the mythology there and not make it this disjointed thing. And yeah. and then you land on my struggle too where things have been, seeds have been planted and people are ramping up to this madness that we got on my struggle too. Because one of the complaints that we got with it is that a lot of people were saying that those last 10 minutes of the show that were great in the sense of you know the suspense and all the stuff and like action and they were not earned because it's like you're just telling me feel this way because the music is telling me you, to do so and the madness is happening on the screen and the skull is running and she's like on the sidewalk and then people and like and now we're rushing and but like what got us there we spent 30 minutes of like walking through hallways and going to a park to meet yeah. someone and then like you know so if we had had that then definitely my struggle too would have been a masterpiece just and, given the premise it seems like it would kill an insane amount of people just straight yeah we, up. we can't figure out how the fbi will even exist after this because i mean not, not just the fbi i mean like all of civilization <laughs> no yeah. but abby has her theory uh, I, Maybe I, an ARV lands in every major city at the exact same time. It still will kill an insane amount of people. I, agree, I mean, yeah. I mean, the seeds are there though. They already talked about the chemtrails. So my idea isn't all that crazy. They talked <laughs> about the chemtrails and about how this aluminum really aluminum <laughs> thing will spray and activate genetic response and all that stuff. It's already there. It's already there, guys. Like. But why would they cure them if they were killing them? No, because, okay, so see, this is how it, you guys don't get that. So when Tad O'Malley was talking about the chemtrails and activation and all this shit, right. it didn't necessarily mean that they were, like, actually being decimated because of that. They're just, like, activating whatever they were trying to do. But de yeah, they activated the Spartan virus using right, which microwave removed, radiation. Yes, which removed what? the piece from their RNA that made it to where they it were suppressed their sick. immune system. Right, suppressed their immune system. So then they were catching normal everyday diseases. So uh, the soldiers were catching the disease from the vaccines they were given, but other people were just catching normal other stuff. Flu, um, yeah. But without an immune system, the flu right, would kill they, you they pretty were there were like two things. So the microwave things and there were cream trails and there were the vaccines that we we're getting. So because they're like missing steps to this and this like, it, it will make so much more sense whenever and if Anne Simon comes forward with like what's missing from the episode. Um, but like, 
There are certain <laughs> things. Your, there are certain things. Missing? It's missing there, a very big part because yeah. I mean, I watched things. it several times yeah. and I carefully went through the plot line. Yeah. Looking at the science, we and I mean, like and I, I love the science. I love the the idea of electromagnetic ra- or the um the microwave radiation emitting yeah. from cell towers and all that stuff, and yeah. how it worked. And I that, even looked at maps to sense. see how much microwave radiation was affected and Covers where the U.S. not yeah. not just the U.S. the world, and see where population mm-hmm. growth would be devastated and where other pockets in poorer countries that don't have these like it, could they survive? Mm-hmm. And I looked at satellite image, like tons of crap. Yeah. Just to see the possibility, how many people could survive this, given right. the information they had. With and it's just systems. no matter how much she came up with a vaccine with her own blood and how much they could produce in five days, everybody is dead. It in enough time. To, I mean, yeah, like no, for sure. the majority of the world yeah. is gone. You can't. You can't. That's impossible. But like, that's part of like, but I mean, that's thing, that's, that's things that's like that's, that's what's that, so frustrating. That that goes back to episodes like redux and you know where like ex tests were being done on her and like all that stuff where like they could be impossible it's what it was impossible to make it was just for the sake of storytelling whereas where Alan simon goes and says like well i said no and chris Carter said yes and then we go with yes so yeah well, i agree you know, it's, i don't it's think Anne did push, anything wrong right, right. i mean i thought her science was awesome it's one thing and to I push the it, limits it made sense but given her science, most of the people in DC right. are going to be dead. And it's by like season it's 11. perfectly acceptable to push the bounds of reality to say, okay, well, you know, we could kill a couple more people than normal, or save yeah. a couple more people than normal. But a vast majority would be insane. I mean, the difference between killing a hundred thousand people and killing a hundred million people is exponential. I mean, they were showing like exponential. riots and people in riot gear, and I mean, oh, it, 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 it was preparing for post-apocalyptic. America and everywhere but else. I mean, it would be in the world. How do you? Well, how do you start season world. eleven and it not be post-apocalypse? So that was essentially exactly the way it happened. Now uh, we have a special guest on the podcast this week, the owner of the only voice other than mine to have featured on every episode of X Files Talk X Files. I'm talking, of course, about the singer-songwriter behind our theme song. I want to believe, Mr. Eamon Ambrose. So I'm very happy uh, to be here today. I have Eamon Ambrose on the line, who is the uh, artist behind the I Want to Believe track that we've been using as the intro and outro on this podcast since we started doing it. So Eamon, thank you very much for joining us for a few minutes here today. Thanks for having me, David. Thank you. Well, thank you for letting us use your song. Um, so what I first wanted to talk about um, is obviously that you know you wrote a song about the X-Files. So tell me a bit about... Um, why you you were such a big fan of the show? Tell me a bit about you know how you came to watch the X Files in the very beginning. At the time, I think it, in in Ireland especially, we didn't have a huge choice of of, of TV channels, and uh, <laughs> I think so for something that different to come online uh, and see you know it, it was just there was nothing like it at the time, and I I, I love any, everything sort of paranormal and science fictiony and. Uh, it just spoke to me straight away, and the characters were great, and Mulder and Scully's dynamic was fantastic, and the writing was really good. Uh, it was just, it was just so different, you know. It was, it was just a, a sort of unique sort of a show for someone like me, uh, you know, who the only the only other options for stuff like that was maybe Star Trek or some re- old reruns of other shows. 
but it, it was very for its time. It was very very unique, uh, and I was a big fan of. I t- ended up being a big fan of, of Millennium as well um, when when that started. So, so uh, what were some of your favourite um, episodes from the classic? You know, the original nine seasons that we had. The so I think probably the first season was my favourite. Uh, the stuff like tunes and and the, the beginnings of, of the whole myth arc thing. Um, but uh, uh, some of the other, I liked. I liked some of the, the, the you know this kind of spoofy episodes as well. And it, it um, I think throughout the whole thing, there was always a good mix of the the different type of episodes that they like to use. Um, and I think I was never. Uh, I didn't. I did never pick sort of one type of episode that I liked. I, I, kind of, I enjoyed them all. But the general, I, I like the general arc of the story that, that went through the whole series, um, even through the, this, this new one. And I like the way they resurrected it and, and, and sort of made it fresh again, you know. So what, do you, what have you made of the revival? You said you've seen all six episodes already. Yes. Um, any particular favourites among those? Uh, <laughs> I, I love the... the, the the werewolf episode uh, with with Reese Darby, I, I think that was fantastic. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I I love the sort of one-off comedy episodes. I always have; they were always my favorites. I think, uh, but having Reese Darby in it was was perfect. And I, I'm a big Flight of the Concords fan as well, so it was great to see him in that. He he really he really made that episode. But it, it, as as well as that, it was the sort of the the dynamic between Mulder and Scully in that episode was really really good. Is you know they they kind of work really well together on that episode I think, and it, it, they're they're much more comfortable with each other now which is great. There's one thing that sort of went throughout that that whole season was sort of how comfortable they are and you know it, there's there's a very kind of a sweet relationship between them now, which which is wasn't there before I don't think. Uh, they 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 seem to be much more uh, at ease with with each other, each other now than they used to be. Uh, but uh, the only, I think, the only one episode that I wasn't crazy about was the the Babylon one. Uh, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> yeah, quite a divisive one, that. Yeah, if, if, even for me, it was a bit silly, but uh, it, you know, it's still watchable. I, I like the ending of it, especially uh, with, with Mulder and Scully again and, and taking the walk, uh, and that was that was a nice sort of moment for them, but. Other than that, I wasn't a huge fan of that episode. But the rest, um, I, I I loved all the rest of them. They they were classic classic X Files to me, which was great. So, because I've got to get you to talk a little bit about the genesis of the "I Want to Believe" song, and um, when did you actually come up with that song? Where in the course of the the show's history, and uh, just talk a little bit about how you came up with the song and what happened with it, how it became um, this fan song that. People like me have latched onto all of these years. Uh, I think it's. I, I think I wrote it back around. I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight. So around the fourth season, then. I think it was around. Yeah, around the. I think it could be around the end of the fourth season, maybe. Um. Uh. So I had been a big fan of, throughout the season, the series, anyway. Um. But uh, I, I was in a band at the time, and we were sort of putting a lot of effort into writing our own music and I, I was trying to learn my craft as I was going and it was, it was we'd been at it a couple of years and um, the the idea of the song obviously just came from me like in the show um, and, but the 
what what kind of struck me about it was the 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 way the lyrics run on it. It's it, it's it's kind of a half a skeptical and half a believer song. So it's a bit of a mixture of Mulder and Scully as well. Um, but the it actually was one of the fastest wrote songs I've ever written. I think um, probably and it was it was it, the thing about that song as well. It was the last song that we actually recorded with that band. <clears throat> We'd, we'd actually done it for a compilation album of sort of the best of Irish bands that was being made at the time. And we'd, we'd been asked to submit a song and we, we, we ended up recording that one and, and, and sent it in and it was picked for the album. Uh, but we, we split up shortly afterwards. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it, so that song basically had been sort of sitting in my, in my, in my drawer for a couple of years. And, um, I'd always liked it. I think it's, it's, of all the songs I've ever, I'd ever written, it had been the one I was most proud of. I think it was re- it just worked really well. And um, around that time, then uh, MP3.com started getting popular and things like that, and forums. And I started getting into the internet a lot more than I had been. And I'd seen some. I wanted to do something with the song. I just, I just didn't want to leave it there. So I, I just said I'd put it up online for people that if they wanted to hear it, they could have a listen to it. So I put it up in some forums. Um, I, I wasn't doing it to make money. I just it was it's there for free. Anyone that wants it can get it. Um, so it's just I just wanted it to be out there for fans because I knew it, it's not a song that you, if you weren't a fan you probably wouldn't like it. But if you were a fan, you would and you did get the lyrics and the meaning of it. Um, I think I think a lot of people did like it. Um, so that that was all I did, and I, I just left it there. And <laughs> I hadn't thought about it for for a long time until you contacted me <laughs> and asked if I could if you could use it, which I was amazed by because it had been so long since I'd even listened to it. I was amazed that I was able to track you down. Yeah, <laughs> wonders of the internet. Exactly. But that that's one of the, actually that's one of the the other things um, I, I I liked about this new season is that they they sort of they're embracing technology and it, they're changing the show to suit that as well, which is great. Absolutely. So uh, tell me, what are you up to these days? Are you still doing music, or what are you up to? Um, no, I, I sort of gave up music probably five or six years ago. Um, I'd done a couple of pieces and bits of work. Um, I dabble every now and again. I, I do some sort of music for book trailers for people, and nothing serious. I, I, it's just more to keep, you know, just to keep my my, my mind in it sometimes because I, I I do like to go back to it every now and again. But um, mainly what I'm doing now is writing. Um, I ended up being, uh, being a science science fiction writer. Um, which I started last year, um, and so uh, that's my main thing at the moment. So I, I'm trying to concentrate on that. I've, I've I was commissioned to do a story for a, a novel for a, a publishing company that folded, and I sort of found myself at a. I, I, I basically the, the background is I've been blogging for a couple of years and doing book reviews and stuff like that, mainly in science fiction. Um, and I've been asked to do this book, and it fell through. And I said, "Okay, I, I, I just I need I wanted to put something out, so I just uh, I started a short story called Zero Hour, um, which is sort of a post-apocalyptic, um, twisty sort of sci-fi story. And um, it was just a sort of a thirty-page short story that I stuck up on Amazon, uh, like put a cover up and." Um, some people I knew, like uh, Hugh Howie, said they'd read it. Uh, 
uh, a couple of other authors that I know, and they really liked it. And this, this so I, I said they said I should release the story just on its own, <clears throat> and I did that, and it started to do really well. And Hugh Howie gave me a blurb for the cover, which was great. So after a couple of weeks, I started getting a lot of emails and contact from people um, wanting to hear more about the story. Um, because if the ending was, I suppose, left a little bit open, it wasn't deliberate. Um, and so the, we ended up, um, I decided to continue the story on. So as a serial, um, so we're now at part four. I'm just about to really release part four next week. And when that's, uh, I've got one more part to release. And then I'll release the whole thing as a full novel later on, probably around April, uh, April and May, I think. So give us a picture as to what the what the story is. What it, what is it about? If it's something that you can kind of put into a, a short sort of pitch, it's 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 hard it's hard to get to say too much about it because it's that kind of a story that there are so many twists in it um, that it's very easy to give it away. But the, the the start of the story basically it starts with a with a soldier waking up after an attack. And it's uh, most of, most of humanity has been wiped out. And sort of a, a, a tiny few remaining, um, and he's basically thinks he's the last one that's left. He just wakes up in in the rubble of an attack, um, and he he needs he the, basically everything that's happened. It's, it's machines have taken over. It's sort of not, it's not really a machines have taken over sort of thing, but it's it's part of the the storyline, um, and if it. What happens is the soldier goes to the center of, of of everything that's happened to sort of find answers because they they basically have nothing left to to do. So they want to try and find some answers. So when they get there, they they find that everything is completely different than they thought it would be. Um, it's it's kind of a mind mind bending sort of twisty story, but. Uh, and it's it's got a bit of action, it's got a bit of everything in it, but it's again, it's hard to explain without giving too much away because it's it's even though it's a short story, it does a, it does a lot packed into it. But uh, it's it's doing really well on Amazon. Um, it's constantly charting on its in in short story charts, and um, I'm I'm delighted with how well it's gone so far. Um, That's great. So it'd be nice to see you know when I get the full the full book finished it'll be nice to see if it will sort of stand on its own as a novel as well so we'll just have to wait and see as most well good luck to you and that's uh, zero hour yeah zero hour Zero hour by Eamon Ambrose go check it out on Amazon now uh, Eamon thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to chat with me today thank you uh, again so much for, not just for creating the I Want to Believe song uh, fan anthem excuse me uh, but thank you for letting us use it and if it's okay with you I would really like to play the song in its entirety at the end of this our final podcast absolutely I'd, I'd be delighted and, and thanks for using it it's, it's great it was great to see it resurrected again uh, and great to see hear people listening to it and liking it so it's, it's been fantastic so thank you for that thank you up next is actually something I've been doing for the last few episodes of the podcast. I've been asking each of my co-hosts um, to tell me a bit more about um, their favourite movies and for some recommendations of other TV shows that uh, fans of X-Files might enjoy uh, while we wait for season 11. So here's uh, the answers from Avi, Tiffany and Garrett. Uh, my favourite movie 
Um, I have a ton, but like the one that I always go to that immediately puts me in a good mood is Amelie. And shows that I'm watching right now that I would recommend Jessica Jones is a good thing to watch. Um, I recently, if you are into world awareness and like politics and all that stuff, you should watch Narcos. Um, as you can see, I've been watching a lot of Netflix and Amazon. <laughs> um, and then you should definitely catch up with Men in the High Castle because I work for the show, but like, uh, but also because it's a great show and Frank Spartans writes it and it's a very, very well told. The Rock from the Sun. I love that show. And it's like, yeah. and it has such a clever perspective on how aliens would live in this world. And I, I know that a bunch of people from like the new, the new generations of fans have never actually seen that. And I've been watching Scorpion um, throughout the whole existence of the show. And I like it because it's campy and it's lighthearted. And, but I really enjoy it and Robert Patrick is in there and it's kind of like a fun ride every week that you don't have to think too much about it. So those are my recommendations. Yeah. Cool. Tiffany? I like dramas and psychological thrillers. So I one of my favorite movies has always been Silence of the Lambs, um, which of course everybody watching the X-Files, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Oh, the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but that movie is hilarious. We can quote the whole thing. We can. Seriously, Garrett and I can like quote almost the entire yeah. film. Um, I'm watching a lot of Scandal. I've been watching Scandal for like a super long time. Um, and of course, Annabeth Gish is now on Scandal, which is awesome. Like her character is um interesting. Garrett would probably actually like her character on Scandal more than on X-Files. Madame Secretary with Teo Leone is really yeah. good. Do you want to mention the one you and I watch all the time, Gary? Or Which is that yours? The 100? No, I'm not yeah. going to mention that. Oh. Not with a 10 So, <laughs> Garrett has a favorite show that he won't speak out loud because he's afraid that people will think that he's a silly fangirl. But he because, has, well, it's got the same problem that I've been arguing about this the whole yeah, time. Yeah, but he still likes it. <laughs> Um, the 100. We've been watching a lot of 100. We caught up on Netflix, and now we're watching this new season of the 100. And yeah, it's a show that one episode will be really good, and the next episode is like fucking retarded and stupid, and you're just like, why? But then you want to know what happens, so you keep watching it anyway. That's pretty much it. What's your? All right, so. Says the guy with a literal, yeah. like, a literal list in his hand. I'm going to try to do this as fast as possible. Just bear with me. For movies, I narrowed it, I narrowed it down from a list of like a million. So I recommend The Fall, uh, the movie. It's great. Definitely, movie. definitely, definitely yeah. check it out. Um, Old Boy and I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. Both of those are Korean films. They're the most amazing. Uh, old Boy's really good. Um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It was really hard to pick one, but I love all kinds of movies. He chose that one in particular. Let the Right One In. Uh, oh, an amazing movie. movie. The American version sucks. The, uh, yeah, the yeah, original. Yeah, I agree. There is another one. Yeah. 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 Uh, the book is literally the most insane book ever. You should read it. Um, and Clash of the Titans is a Ray Harryhausen film. Really hard to pick, but I love Ray Harryhausen. I grew up on him, and he's like Hence the best guy Tumblr in the entire world. Ghost. Yes. Right. Um, as far as TV shows, um, Black Mirror 
definitely yes definitely definitely watch it if i mean if you watch the x-files and not seen it you have to go back and watch it it's absolutely amazing um and talks about current technology and how i mean it's dark it's awesome um and then another show is in the flesh it is literally the best character it's i mean like i I think is one of the best tv shows ever written but it only had two seasons it only had two seasons but it is it is painfully good. It's so good. I mean, when it is when it's sad, it is like so sad that like your guts are like yeah. I mean, out it while is you're sobbing. It's like way better. It is way better than The Walking Dead. I mean, like light years hold on, hold away. On. Hold on, it's just different. <laughs> no, it's better. I mean, it's better. Character <laughs> driven. It's better. No, In the Flesh is really, really amazing. Yes, definitely. If you've never seen In the Flesh, British, please, for the love of God, you will love yourself yes. for watching it. They're yeah. they're just so spot on. Great character studies. The yeah. the relationships are amazing. I mean, it's unconventional, but like, oh, it's yeah. it's so great. And I haven't given my uh, favorite movies or TV recommendations uh, yet either, so I'm going to do that now. My favorite movie of all time is There Will Be Blood by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, nothing to do with x y sort of stuff at all, but I do urge you to check it out. Um, other movies uh, that I would recommend um, and that are personal favourites of mine, well, I grew up watching a lot of classic Spielberg before I was old enough to watch x or before there even was an X-Files. Um, I mean, I'm talking in particular about Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Close Encounters. Uh, if you haven't seen any of those, do check them out. I'm a big, big fan of David Lynch. I'm very excited about the Twin Peaks revival. And that actually brings me to the first show that I would recommend to fans of X-Files. It's Twin Peaks. Uh, It's on Netflix, I think, every episode. Go check it out. Go check out the movie as well. Um, I also urge you to check out classic Twilight Zone episodes. Go check out J.J. Abrams' Alias, Fringe. Go watch Lost, but skip the entire final season of Lost. Trust me on that. Um, obviously, got to give a shout-out to Vince Gilligan's shows, uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, the last few years, I've really gotten into the new Doctor Who uh, that started, I don't know, 10 years ago now, um, which is actually filmed back in my old stomping grounds in Cardiff. Uh do go and check that out. It's just come off Netflix, but I think they're putting them all up on Amazon Prime pretty soon. I think that that's a fun show that a lot of exiles would really get into. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just fun. You haven't got to worry too much about it, connecting the dots in the mythology because they have time travel. And so, you know, plot holes don't matter that much. So just go and have fun and watch Doctor Who. Um, I'd also like to recommend The Returned, which is a French show on Netflix. So it does have subtitles. Um, but it is just absolutely amazing. It's like um, these people all die and come back to life several years later or decades later and they don't realize that they've died and it's just an awesome show, awesome show. So do go check that out. And now for the final time uh, until season 11, I'm going to say that a lot tonight, it is quiz time. We have two questions from every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so first of all from my struggle one. What is the Google alternative used by Scully? Spyfender. It was what? Spider Fender. Spider Finder or whatever. I yeah. thought it was find a spider. Finder Spider. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Um, according to Mulder's theory, what first attracted aliens to Earth? Uh, Hiroshima. 
the um, the nuclear, the nuclear yeah. yeah. Correct. In Founder's Mutation, what device did Sanjay use to commit suicide? A uh, letter opener that had no sense in there. Scene. Yeah. Why so do you need a letter opener at your desk or in, your computer? In, in a awesome. server room. Yeah, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> what was the name of the company where Sanjay worked? Oh, fuck. Oh. That would be a terrible name for a company. <laughs> <laughs> um. No part of the Google family. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, God, I can't, I can't, never mind. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah, Eugenics go. technology. Eugenics, yeah, there. Uh, in Mulder and Scully meet the Weir Monster, what fictional creature's head hung on the wall in Guy Man's motel room? Jackalope. Uh, Jackalope, yeah. Correct. And according to the story told by the psychologist, what is the only way to kill a lizard man? Stab it with green glass. Green glass, yeah. Where? In the liver. Appendix. Appendix. Appendix, yeah. Yeah. In Home Again, where was Bill Scully Jr., which prevented him from visiting his mother in hospital? He was in Germany. He was in Germany, yeah. He's being an asshole. And what insult causes Mulder to mistakenly assume an arguing man and woman are married? Oh, she calls him a jackass. Or no. No, no, it was a douche. A douchebag or something. It was douchebag. (coughs) In Babylon, what song does Mulder dance to at the Honky Tonk? Fucking achy breaky heart. (laughs) Apparently the only country song ever made. Yes. In the only state that ever listens to country music. And how does Agent Miller explain his ability to speak Arabic? He went to Iraq. Was Iraq? He was stationed in Iraq. Yeah. Correct. In my struggle too, what was Agent Einstein surprised that Mulder didn't do? That her name is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did then he, he didn't. He didn't leave a, a note behind or a voice. Oh, to tell Scully where he was going. Yeah. Correct. And in which South Carolina town was cigarette smoking man hiding? Spartanburg. Correct. Spartan virus. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Exactly. Hamfisted mess. <laughs> did we just? Did we just get eleven out of twelve? That has to be a first. Yep. It's because our annoyance causes us to pay super attention. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I promise that we are almost done, but before I do my final wrap up, I just wanted to give Avi a chance to talk about what's next for X Files news. We all want to have a little break um, because it was really exhausting for all of our team to try to follow through every promise that we made and, and and try to join this huge fandom in every initiative that they have. And we actually still do have to deliver quite a few things that we were involved in. Um, so we're not going away in any way. There's definitely a lot of activities that are coming and we're definitely continuing to support the actors and the crew that not only are back on the X-Files, but also 
um, working in their own shows. Um, so that's also part of it. We're supporting a ton of charities that are based on the fandom. So that's also happening. And there's uh, quite a few projects that are fandom-based, as fandom producing their own content that we are going to start supporting. So... Yeah, that's the that's what's next for the XFL, for XFN in in what in regards of what XFLs and other productions come. And remind everybody one last time all the different ways that they can get in contact with XFLs News. So you can go to our website, which is xfiles.news. And buy um, t-shirts. And buy t-shirts, please, because that's what actually pays for our server. <laughs> um, and if you have any requests. Uh, if you're an artist that wants to get featured, you can get in contact with us either via Twitter DM at X-Files News, or you can tap us on Facebook via DM. Uh, that's also facebook.com slash X-Files News, or via Tumblr, uh, where you can ask us questions on xfilesnews.tumblr.com. Um, and we will definitely, um, get back to you guys. We, we have a variety of contests coming through the year and, you know, initiatives that are, that are either internal or that have come to us from other fans all around the world that we want to support. It's, it's worth the mention since we've gone through this episode where, you know, we pointed out so many faults and, and, and it's hard to, because, one tends to, you know, fixate on the things that we didn't like, but we at XFN were super happy that this season 10 happened. I mean, it, it, it was an amazing time for us in terms of, you know, living with the fandom through this experience. It was an amazing time watching these new episodes for us. Um, it, 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 it was unexpected in many ways, but it was at the same time must of it a welcome um you know moment for us so we will continue to support the show we'll continue to support the authors and the actors and the writers and everyone behind it and that's our invitation for everyone that did it through the years with us or that joined us just now or that will and plans to join us later on you know that's what makes XFN what it is is you know everyone that has supported us through the years so yeah thank you for that <laughs> so that is it for x-files talk x-files we will be back when season 11 happens though it's most definitely a when not if uh, season 11 is all but guaranteed at this point in the meantime you know do go and follow x-files news on all their different channels uh, their website of course is xfiles.news um, please, uh, if you've enjoyed hearing me chattering on for 44 episodes, which is probably over 60 hours by this point, um, then please connect with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Not always that active, uh, but I am there. I'm David T. Harwood on both of those. You can also uh, connect to me on my website, which is davidtharwood.com. I'm currently writing um, a vampire story which I'm trying to put out a chapter once a month. Um, it's called V's, and you can read it for free on davidthr.com now. You can also check out every episode of this podcast there. I've done some blogs. I do blog occasionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to 
connect with you and uh, keep in touch so that I can let you know when the podcast is starting back up again. And, you know, who knows, maybe I'll do a different podcast on something else in the not too distant future as well. And now, uh, as this is our final episode, I would like to sign off uh, with a series of thank yous um, to everyone who has listened to this podcast, to everyone who's gotten in touch and or who has sent in listener questions. Uh, thank you very much. And of course, the biggest thanks has to go to each and every one of my co-hosts over these 44 episodes that we've done so far. Uh, Tiffany, Avi, Garrett, Jessa, Roy, Kaver, Trish, Kai, Holly, Laura, Emily, Becky. We made this. Vampires and the living dead In haunted houses and poltergeists But I've seen none of the above And if I did, I think I probably Would run a million miles And never tell a i